good afternoon and welcome to Atomic Ergo. I'm your host, Earl Ray Neal. Today's February 8th, 2024, and this is our next edition of the podcast. I'm really excited to have Nate Schneider with us, who is the Global Director of Safety and Security for a company you have all heard of, Red Wing Shoe Company. So, Nate, welcome. We are very happy to have you. How are you doing today? Thanks, Earl Ray. I'm doing great, man. It's awesome to be on here, and I'm really looking forward to spending time with you. So we'll go over Nate's uh, professional educational background. Uh, It's it's diverse as anybody that we've ever had on here. Uh, Has a BA in biology uh, from the University of Northern Iowa, MPH, Occupational Health and Safety Management from Tulane. He is a board-certified safety professional. And right now, you're the Global Director of Safety and Security for Red Wing Shoe Company and also on the Board of Directors of the Minnesota Safety Council. So, you know, Nate, based on your extensive experience and your education, your certifications, you've been obviously successful in your career. Uh, and, And I can also see a clear focus on safety and health. Uh, is there somebody in your life that motivated you or sort of got you going down this career path? Earl Ray, there's a lot of people. <laughs> I mean, uh, you, you know, the the phrase that I stand on the shoulders of others is is without a doubt applicable here. Um, you know, it, it probably goes back to even when I was in high school, I worked for a farmer, a hog farmer, and probably that was some of my very best first lessons in safety and personal safety. And I'll never forget, uh, we, we were hooking the tractor up in the PTO to a grain elevator. Um, the tractor wasn't running, everything was shut off. And Roger had asked me to grab a set of tools, which was on the other side of the tractor. So me being a dumb high school kid, I proceeded to start to step over the PTO. And man, Roger chewed my rear up and down for 15 minutes about doing that. And his whole premise was, yeah, I understand it's not running right now, but if you do this now, you will do it when that's running and your pant leg is going to get grabbed by that knuckle on that PTO and it's going to tear your leg off. And I'm not going to be responsible for that. So basically pull your head out of your butt and do the right thing, or you're not going to be here anymore. And, and that was like, experiences like that. With oh my, my gosh, man. So, so that was one. Um, really, I kind of got started in the industry with my dad. Uh, he was the director for programs at the Hazardous Materials Training and Research Institute out of Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And uh, I was transferring colleges between Central College and University of Northern Iowa. One was on a trimester, one was on a semester, so I had several months to kill. And uh, dad was like, well, why don't you come take a uh, Haswapper class and, and sit through that. So I did, and one thing led to another, and then I, I did the train the trainer stuff and then started do, doing uh, adjunct instructor work for Kirkwood for a few years while I was finishing up my degree. That got my foot in the door with University of Northern Iowa to be the assistant safety coordinator as a you know junior, senior in college. And Wendell Rome was my supervisor at that time. And, and Wendell's another one. He, he was, he's an Air Force, was an Air Force guy. He was in safety within the Air Force. Um, and again, very much of let's do the right thing. Not so much worried about regulation and code as it was, is this the right thing to do? Um, and then if it is, then let's get it taken care of. So that, that really kind of formed early on my whole view on, on the safety world of, 
I'm not so concerned about what the regs say, right? I'm in, I'm concerned about the intent of it. And I'm concerned about, are we doing the right thing by our employees and by our company? And, and ultimately, if you take that approach, everything else works itself out from a compliance standpoint. Talking about, you know, sort of your background, I, you know, I, I look at your CV and, and man, you have really worked with some winners, uh, PepsiCo, uh, Ashland, Valvoline, and of course, as we said, the iconic brand Red Wing, um, you, you know, but you've also worked in transportation, manufacturing, retail, hospitality. So can you just tell us a little bit about your experience in each of those industries and, and sort of you know, what did you take from each one to get where you are now? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I, I guess I'd start with PepsiCo. What was probably one of the best experiences in terms of, of really learning what is a management system, right? We, we hear ISO, uh, we hear, you know, OSHA VPP, we hear all of that, but what does that actually mean? And, you know, I, to the management system, should work for the company and not the other way around. So the way the way PepsiCo ran it, it, it wasn't necessarily ISO, it was a really good blend of different management systems that really put the focus on operational ownership and, and how do we get these things to work properly? And we're not gonna roll stuff out just to roll stuff out. It's gonna be very deliberate, very methodical, and we're not gonna move to the next phase until these things we've audited and they are functioning the way they are intended. And then we'll move on to the next thing. A lot of organizations that I've been in after that, it was almost the reverse where the, the management system was what the company worked for. So it was kind of the tail wagging the dog, so to speak. And uh, that's just not the right way to go, right? It, it's doing nothing for the company. It's hard to show where that value add is if, if you're going that direction. So I would encourage any of your listeners that are considering a management system, I don't care what it is, really look at, make sure you roll it out so that it's doing work for the company, meaning it's making things easier. It's, it's providing a certain level of accountability across the organization, but don't go so far in that it becomes the tail wagging the dog and you're working for the management system. That, that does nothing. Um, Ashland was a great experience in terms of getting into, at that time, Valvoline was part of Ashland Chemical. And uh, that's really where I really got involved on the global side of things. So, um, you know, and that carried on to when Valvoline split off. So that was, you know, I had 14 people across the world. We had 27 manufacturing plants across the world. I spent a lot of time in India with a plant build. I spent time in China with a new plant construction. I had operations in Australia. Serbia was a new acquisition towards the end. So I was in Serbia. What that really gave me though, between, especially between India and, and Serbia and China was uh, as you move into a global role coming out of the US or out of the Western side, Europe, US, you have to set those concepts off to the side and really look at things from a risk management standpoint because everything else doesn't matter, right? You, you don't necessarily have the regulations backing it up or they're very confusing, they're inconsistently applied. So if you take a really solid risk management approach to everything, you tend to get better results. The, the people tend to respond to it better. Um, operations understands it better. 
and you get better results. Uh, so, so that was really cool. Um, that's also where I got into the retail side with Valvoline, with the uh, quick lube business. And, and I'll tell you a big plug for Valvoline is an oil change. One of the things that they did many, many years ago is they moved away from having a separated operations manual, manual and a safety manual, right? Because what happens with that? Well, they both sit on the shelf and they gather dust and nobody ever looks at anything. So Valvoline and Oil Change really made focused efforts to fully integrate their safety practices in with their operational work practices, almost to the point where you couldn't find where they diverged, which was truly amazing if you think about it. So I'm changing oil. Well, what are the steps I have to do to change oil? And built within those steps is your safety aspects directly correlating to the work that I'm doing. So think about a, uh, a JSA or a work instruction on steroids. And, and that's kind of the way Valley Oil Change approached it. They certify their team members on everything. Um, a new team member starts on day one, their very first certification they got in store was safety. Think about that. Their very first certification was on ground safety. And that was from how do I stand when I'm guiding a car in to how do I move through the store to hold the handrails every time you go up and down the steps. I don't care if they're slippery. That, I don't that is a smooth operation. I mean, it, it, it really is. is. Uh, that, that really blew me away. And it's something I constantly think about as I think about the manufacturing world. How do we get to that point? Um, and it's tough in manufacturing to try to get there because you have so much doctrine that's been around for 50, 60, 70, 80 years, trying to get that switched over to let, let's not do JSAs and let's not do just work instructions. Why should we do that when we can do them jointly? And now you've got a single document you're working off of and people understand that it makes sense. Um, so that, that was really cool. Um, coming into to Red Wing threw me yet for another little bit of a loop because most people don't realize this. Yeah, we've got Red Wing shoe manufacturing. We have Red Wing shoe stores, um, but Red Wing actually owns a hotel. So Red Wing is a, a, in essence, a family owned business. It's a privately held company. And the, the, the family that owns it is very in tune with the community of Red Wing, Minnesota and very philanthropic in what they do within Red Wing. Well, there's a, a hotel in downtown Red Wing called the St. James. It is a historical hotel. It was in disrepair 20 some odd years ago and the family bought it to bring it back to its glory. Well, now it actually falls under the portfolio of Red Wing Shoe Company as the St. James Hotel. So that's where I got involved now into hospitality. So within the Red Wing portfolio, if you think about it, we have manufacturing, we have retail, and we have hospitality. And, and that, that's just a whole nother world, my friend. Well, I have absolutely learned something from you today. I had no idea. That's really something. <laughs> Most people don't. Most people don't. It's pretty cool. So I, I, I'm always interested in um, sort of folks' self-perception, if that makes sense to you. Mm -hmm. Uh, has there been an an aha moment where you know you sort of think you know I'm I'm on the right track I'm I'm really making a contribution to people's safety and health uh, and, and and I want to you know I want to get engaged I want to keep doing this. 
you know, I, I have to go back to um, right when I started with Ashland and Valvoline, right? So we're, we're looking at, you know, close to 15 years ago at this point. And moving my family from northern Indiana to Lexington, Kentucky, we just bought a house. All of our stuff was in storage, but there's things I wanted to do in the house before all our things got moved in. So I had a decent relationship that had started with the VP of operations at that time for Valvoline. And, and I asked him, I said, do you have a, do you have a step ladder that I could borrow, you know, like a six foot ladder? He said, yeah, sure. Come on over and get it. So I went over to his house. And when I got this ladder, I'm like, surely this, this isn't what he uses, right? I mean, this, this ladder was an old wooden ladder, A-frame style ladder. Some of the rungs were kind of cracked. It creaked, it wobbled. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I didn't use that ladder, Earl Ray. I went to Lowe's and I bought a brand new fiberglass, you know, six foot ladder. That's what I use. And I actually ended up cutting up his ladder and throwing it away. And in my mind, I was going through, okay, this, this might be a career killer for me here at Baffling because I'm throwing away this guy's ladder and, and he has no idea I'm doing that. Ladder. So I gave, I gave him back this brand new fiberglass ladder and, and his comment was like, well, that, that, that's not my ladder. I'm like, well, yeah, Mitch, it, it is now because I just could not in good conscience use the ladder you had or give it back to you because it was incredibly unsafe. And, Please and tell me he didn't say that's my great grandfather's three times removed ladder. <laughs> not quite, but it was his father's ladder. <laughs> oh. so, so he's like, what did you do with it? I said, well, Mitch, I cut it up and it went out in my garbage two days ago. <laughs> the look on Mitch's face is like, I don't know whether to kill you or to thank you. I don't, I don't know how I'm feeling at this point. Well, kind of fast forward to a few weeks later, um, Mitch was doing a presentation to, and I, and this was, it was to our full valving operations team at, um, at one of the, the, you know, annual meetings and Mitch got up on stage and he relayed this story to all of these supervisors and plant managers. And in my mind, I thought I'm about ready to just get absolutely blasted in front of all of these people that I had just met. And what came down to it, Mitch's comment was, that is managerial courage and that is leadership. And that is somebody that sticks by their values regardless of what they believe is gonna happen to them for making that decision. And he said, ultimately it was the right decision and I really appreciate that. So that was kind of that, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe we are on the right path now. And, learning learning from things and, and doing things the right way that 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 did take some gumption that that's a fact <laughs> <laughs> um so you, you know we at ergonauts at the at the direction of our cbo uh steve davis uh we, we invest a, you know a lot of energy in getting the message out about the aging workforce matter of fact if, if you and i spend about 20 minutes together today there's going to be around 150 people during that time that actually reach retirement age. And, and that's a crisis. It's a workforce crisis. Uh, so we're trying to get this message out that the aging workforce, uh, with that aging workforce, there's going to be an increase in workers' comp claims. 
uh, filed with lower extremity uh, illness, injuries and, and illnesses. Um, if injuries and illnesses are due to aging and to the, uh, you know, kind of the work environment, um, uh, certainly they can be considered work-related and most importantly, especially to the bottom line, a workers' comp claim. So are you finding uh, many professionals that are understanding the urgency of ergonomics um, in, in the workplace? You know, Earl Ray, I think, I think most professionals understand that it's a potential issue, right? I, I think they conceptually understand the idea where, where we start to get that disconnect is, okay, what do I do about it? How, how do I address it? How do we address it as an organization? Um, and that, that becomes far more challenging. People, you know, humans, if you think about it, are, are, we react really well to acute issues. You know, I touch a hot surface, I pull my hand off of it. We react really, really well to that. Where we don't react well is to that chronic or that long-term scenario. Um, sometimes it's too abstract. Sometimes it's a, well, that's a problem for another day. I'll deal with it then. And then fast forward 10 or 15 years and that day is today and we've done nothing to, to address it. Um, couple that with a lack of, of legislation, couple that with a lack of um, knowledge and skills on, on how do I address it. A lot of people view it as that's an engineering problem. Well, a lot of safety folks aren't engineers, right? So they it, it's almost like, um, you know, too big of an issue or where do I even start to, to address it? Um, so I, I think that's where from an education standpoint, a training standpoint, whether that's through articles, whether it's through what you're doing now with this podcast, whether it's through connecting in with ASSP and National Safety Council and really getting that word out through the safety conferences, through sponsored training sessions, here's how you approach the elephant. Here are some very clear steps that you can do today that start hitting this. And you don't have to hit a home run on it all the time. It doesn't mean I have to go out and buy a whole new production line or do some massive engineering to put in adjustable stations and all of that. A lot of it can come down to very simple adjustments. If you think about it from like the, uh, the whole Kaizen principle, right? Small changes over time lead to big changes at the end of the day. Um, one of the things that we we did in in Pepsi and I took it into Valvoline was the the ergonomic Kaizen type event where we would we would spend three days in a plant and we'd have a core team and the whole concept for that team was to go find items, identify them, create fixes, and fix it while you're there. So yeah, there was some front end work we did with the maintenance team and say, you know, I'd like you to have a bunch of these type of casters on hand. I'd like you to have some of these strain reliefs on hand and, you know, whatever, so that we could find and fix immediately. Some of it was as simple as let's, let's, this pallet is staged here. And now you have to walk 20 feet from your workstation to that pallet to pick something up and then walk 20 feet back carrying a 15 pound load. Well, why is that, so, why is that pallet all the way over there? Right. Yeah. So right. Little, little adjustments. How you get it back. If how it is over it there, back? how do you get it back safely? Yeah. Can can we move that pallet closer? So, you know, it, it's challenging little things like that that 
A, become much more manageable from an operational standpoint, much more manageable from a budgetary standpoint, and people can understand it. You know, and, and I don't say that to sound like people are stupid because they're not. It, it's, but sometimes those abstract concepts are difficult to convey and difficult to get your arms around. So if you approach it in little changes over time equal big changes at the end of the day, that's, I think, how we start chipping away at this aging workforce. And some of it is as simple as making a little adjustments. Let's move this from 10 feet away to five feet away. Let's change your reach that you're doing. Why, why are your tools sitting two feet away that you got to reach over to and up? Let's bring those down and a little bit closer. You know, and Steve's vision of having, you know, the ergonauts be able to come into your company and do, you know, an uh, ergonomic evaluation, you know, using an app, uh, it, it just blew me away. I mean, when he right. sat down and, you know, my son, um, who was in undergrad at the time, uh, you know, went in and used the app and and he played uh, baseball at Capital University and did, you know, all the uh, all the athletic uh, offices. And it was just amazing. Uh, you, you know, small changes, big results, you know, over time. Uh, and, and it's just a, it's really it's it's fascinating to me to see Steve's vision and dream sort of fill that hole uh in 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 the business world so right um what do you see as the next big thing that's sort of you know the next big thing in safety in the ergo profession you know like exoskeletons our software and and, and then i guess most importantly i'm, I'm interested in Nate, how how you intend on implementing some of those things in, in your position right well so i i think wearables are are coming up right and and wearables could you could define that as the exoskeletons as you've talked about there's also wearables out there that you you pin onto the worker they're like the size of a the old beepers that we used to have back in the 90s right the old pagers i actually and, miss those to be honest <laughs> there's no expectation of immediate uh, uh response when you get a big you know you'd send a beep out yeah. to the world like i wonder if they got that so. <laughs> yeah it's kind of yeah exactly um, but those, you know, those are clip-ons and they give that immediate feedback to an employee that, hey, you're out of body position. But now you can also get that trend line data to show how, how often did I get out of body position? At what circumstances did it create that my team members got out of good position? And, and, and how do we fix that, right? So you start to get data behind it versus that kind of gut check well, I think it's this. Well, no, now we have actually have real data that we can we can start gnawing on to to make improvements. I think machine learning and AI is going to become a bigger and bigger play, not even just in the safety room, but really in all of business. And you're starting to see it. Um, you know, Microsoft is now rolling out Copilot. You you can't buy Office or Microsoft 360 without having Copilot attached to it. And Copilot is basically the same thing as ChatGPT. It is, it is literally the same thing, just you know, minor differences. So those items are going to start playing a bigger and bigger role in daily work that we do in understanding data, getting data, and figuring out those trend lines. And then things like the app that you have, which I know Steve's giving me access to, and that's kind of on my target for next week is to, to tinker with it. But you start getting those types of tools out in the hands of supervisors, frontline leaders and, and field safety professionals 
to where now they actually have the tool to do the job and it makes it easier for them to do. And they don't have to feel like they have to be a specialist in it, right? That's, I think, the other hang up when we talk about ergonomics. And I know I, I was kind of in the same boat several years ago. I'm not an ergonomist. What the hell do I know about figuring these things out? Well, it's a out? cool name. <laughs> it, it is. It's a cool name, but that's not me, right? So yeah. putting tools like this together that, that make it easier for the non-ergonomists to be able to identify issues and come up with solutions that are easy to implement and aren't going to cost a fortune in time and money, that is key. That is how we get forward and move forward with addressing the aging workforce issues and addressing the workplace safety issues as they pertain to ergonomics. Wait until you see the ergo algorithm. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, Earl Ray. I, I really it's, am. It's really, I, I'm telling you, it uh, sort of being around him as long as I have, and and I remember listening to him talk about what his vision was, and then to be able to hold it in my hand and see what it does uh, and how it can help employers you know, keep their bottom line down, uh, make it safer for their employees, make their employees happier, which in turn makes it, you know, makes them more productive. Uh, it, it's really, it's really something. So uh, we've talked about, uh, you know, Red Wing already. Obviously it's an iconic brand. It's, you know, it's literally synonymous with the American workforce, been around well over a hundred years. Uh, what, Obviously, it's got a great safety culture. Other, otherwise, it wouldn't have lasted. So, do you have a plan? Just uh, you tell us a little bit about your plan to 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 keep and to to grow that safety culture there. Yeah, sure. So, um, Red Wing actually hits its 119th birthday tomorrow. So, as of tomorrow, Red Wing Shoe Company has been around for 119 years, which is there's not many companies, even globally, that can say that they've been around that long which is pretty darn cool. Um, and, and like most long-term companies, you see that culture ebb and flow, right? You, you, you see it go up, you see it go back down. What I've always been a proponent of is, is it's not necessarily a safety culture, it's just your culture in general, right? You, you can't have one without the other. And if you, if you see a poor safety culture, then chances are you're gonna see just a poor culture in general. Right, you're going to see employees that aren't happy. You're going to see production issues, quality issues, high turnover rates, both in team members and and, and salaried staff members. Um, so it, it, it's just culture in general is how I generally like to approach it. Um, I usually don't talk about safety culture by itself. Um, We're going to wrap up here in just a second, but my yeah. last question I usually ask folks, and I'm really fascinated to hear your your answer. What what, what do you want your legacy to be? In in life and in in this you know health safety wellness profession, yeah, <laughs> that's not something most of us really even think about until we're probably laying, laying <laughs> it, yeah until we're laying on death's bed going oh man what the yeah. hell did I do uh, yeah I, I think I think for me um, probably to to see my kids grow up and live their best life is the best indicator of whatever legacy I leave over, right? Because it, it's through them. Um, when, you, when you leave a company or retire from a company, people are gonna forget about you in the next couple of years, right? So 
maybe some things linger or if they look at stuff they say oh that's nate's name yeah i remember nate you know he, he was a jerk or he did an awesome job right so yeah. I, I look at it it really my kids are the legacy and and if i've if i've raised my children right and they're productive members in society and they do the right things regardless of what those ramifications are that's a pretty darn good legacy and, and i think that's the best any of us can hope for great answer what um, do you have a one of the other things we we give our um, guests a platform for uh, is just a chance to you know mention a a charity or or a cause that you're interested in that you like to support. So if you'd like to take a couple of minutes and just talk about uh, anything uh, anything like that, I'd be happy to have you do that. Sure. Uh, there, there's one organization that I I really have kind of gotten involved with over the last few years are interested in and donated to. It's called Save the Boundary Waters. Uh, their whole premise is trying to keep copper mining out of the Boundary Waters wilderness and waters up in northern Minnesota, which straddles northern Minnesota and Canada. Um, copper mining can be a really destructive process. And, and yes, we need the copper, but there's other places to go do it. So trying to preserve this national wilderness, this wilderness area, which is one of the biggest in the country, um, it is it is absolutely phenomenally beautiful, um, and the waters are pretty pristine, right? So, uh, SaveTheBoundaryWaters.org is really promoting a the boundary waters themselves and and that that ecosystem, and then trying to keep the copper mining out of that ecosystem and and you know going elsewhere. And I know that sounds a little weird because it's bad, but we also need the, the minerals, right? Um, so that, that's what I would say. Look, look it up, savetheboundarywaters.org. Uh, they, they do a great job um, and, and really have done a phenomenal work lobbying with both local mm -hmm. government as well as national government to keep them pristine. Really time together, folks. That's going to wrap up this edition of Atomic Ergo. Uh, we've been spending some time with Nate Schneider, who's the Global Director of Safety and Security for Red Wing Shoe Company. If you don't know that company, you ought to check it out. And uh, while I'm at it, uh, if you're traveling, looking for a good hotel, sounds like they're in the hotel business, too. We I, are. I did not, St. James I Hotel? I did not know that. Um, <laughs> you, you know, folks, as, as always, if you have any suggestions uh, about topics that you want us to speak about, uh, you have any criticisms, um, you, you know, uh, of the show or or anything that you feel like that we can do better, uh, feel free to leave those in the comments. Uh, you, we're still, we're growing, but we're still small enough to where uh, our CEO and our CVO uh, look at, at all the comments that you all leave. And don't be surprised if you get an email back. Uh, but it's, uh, Nate, it was really a pleasure to spend some time with you today. Uh, we appreciate your time, appreciate your insight and what you're doing for the industry. Uh, have a great day, everybody, and be good to each other.